Turn in your Bibles to the book of James, the book of James. We're about to preach from a passage that I believe is critically essential for every child of God. But I promise you it's essential in this hour, perhaps as never before. I want to ask you this simple question. Have you got the wisdom of God in your life? Now, not are you saved. Not do you have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But do you have the wisdom of God? If we were to say, we got some critical decisions to be made here, and we need somebody that has the wisdom of God, could you hold your hand up and say, I'm that man, I'm that woman. I have God's wisdom. The absent that, we're in trouble. Because if we don't have the wisdom of God, all we have is the best that our intellect can manufacture. All we have is the best that our experience can teach us. And there is no substitute for the wisdom of God. James, the half-brother to the Savior, Jesus Christ, in James chapter 1, verse 1, read what he says. He's writing to Christians that are having a very difficult time. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, he's writing to a scattered people because of intense persecution. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. You realize when trouble comes, God's people are commanded, number one, to give thanks, and number two, to count it all joy. Now the world says, what are you talking about? I'm not going to count it joy for things that are difficult, perilous. But God says, I'm telling you, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect worth, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Then starting at verse 5, God tells us how to get heaven-sent wisdom. How to get it. Now I want you to keep your finger there, but I want you to go back to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. starting at verse 13. The Bible says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, the gain thereof than fine gold. You understand, God says if you have your choice between heaven-sent wisdom and unspeakable wealth, always choose wisdom. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Have you got heaven sent? wisdom. Now let's be real careful about what wisdom is. We frequently confuse the word wisdom with knowledge, and they're two very different things. Write down in your notes, knowledge is not wisdom. 
Someone can be incredibly knowledgeable, but they don't have wisdom. They're not wise. The best definition that I've been ever found based on Scripture is knowledge is knowing things. It's knowing things. Wisdom is knowing what to do and when to do it. Knowledge is just knowing things. Wisdom is when you have to make a decision, you know what to do and when to do it. Uh, I've known some incredibly knowledgeable lawyers, incredibly knowledgeable. Their mastery of law and all kinds of other things is unbelievable. But they don't know what to do, and they don't know when to do it. When people call our ministry at the Christian Law Association, as happened yesterday numerous times, they don't call me and say, tell me everything you know. You know what they say, Brother Gibbs, what do we do and when do we do it? They want wisdom. Do you have it? Heaven sent. A friend of mine is one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever met. He has four master's degrees, all earned. He has five earned PhDs. He is a medical doctor and a lawyer. Now, if you're gonna play trivia, you want him on your side. The guy is like a walking encyclopedia. But I say this respectfully, because he's my dear friend. He's an educated idiot. He comes to us all the time and he says, David, what do I do? When do I do it? How do I do it? Don't ever substitute knowledge for wisdom. But God says, I want you to understand, as my child, you have a divine resource for wisdom. God says here in his word, and we're going to look at it, if you will do three things, God says, I will give you heaven-sent wisdom. If you're here and you don't have wisdom, it's because you didn't do these three things. And I ask you this question, why would you want to navigate life without heaven-sent wisdom? Let's look at the first thing he says. James chapter 1 again, starting at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, now this is written to believers, it's written to Christians. If any of you lack wisdom, there's the first requirement. You have to acknowledge that you lack. You say, well, that's real simple. No, it's not. Because there's just something in us that doesn't want to say we're deficient. There's just something in us that doesn't want to say we don't know what to do. We don't have the answer. We want people to look at us and say, oh, that lady's got the answer. That guy's got the answer. And God says, you want heaven-sent wisdom. It starts with you coming to God and acknowledging that you lack. Now, you can fool me. You may fool your friends, but nobody fools God. And when you bow before God and you say, God, I lack, he knows whether you're telling the truth. He knows what's in the seed of your soul. This is not just an academic exercise. 
God says, this is critical. You don't have wisdom. It's heaven sent. And you have to acknowledge that you lack. My grandfather taught me a great lesson on this. Now, my granddad was not a well-educated man. Uh, he had to leave school for two reasons. Number one, uh, he wasn't good at it. He decided he did not want to repeat the fifth grade for a third time. And he had to take care of his mother and brothers and sisters. So my granddad left school, and he didn't have any educational accomplishments, but he had to do something to make a living. So what he did, the first day, he slaughtered a cow, put it on a horse-drawn wagon, took it into the town of Cleveland, Ohio, and sold it. Next morning, he got up, bought another cow, slaughtered it, put it on a wagon, took it into town, and sold it. And one cow became two, and two became five, and five became 10. By the time I came along and knew anything, my dad and my granddad were slaughtering five to 7,000 cattle a week, putting them in semis, and sending them everywhere. Now, my granddad, when he would pray, always did two things. I heard him do this hundreds of times. When he would pray, he would say, Lord, this is Earl. And I'll ask Granddad, why do you tell God your name? He says, because that's my name. And he said, I'm talking to God. And the next words out of his mouth was, God, I lack. God, you know how much I lack. God, I got a thousand men working for me, a thousand that need a paycheck every week. I got to deal with volatile markets. I lack, but you don't. And you promised God, if I acknowledge that I lack, I can make the key to get heaven-sent wisdom. I heard my granddad pray that prayer hundreds of times. When's the last time you, before God, said, boy, do I lack? How many of you are amazed that God puts up with you? Hold your hand up, would you? I've often had this thought, if I were God, I'd thunk me a good one. But there's just some pride in us that says, yeah, I'm not all I should be, but, but God, I, I bring a lot to the table. I mean, you're never going to have heaven-sent wisdom. That word lack there was the word for a destitute of lackness. God, I can't do this without you. And I've got to acknowledge that I lack. Wow. Look at the second requirement. Number one, you've got to acknowledge your lack. Number two, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now you understand, this is a promise. God says, number one, you've got to acknowledge you lack. Number two, 
you got to ask. You got to ask. Specifically, ask. Well, ask and ye shall receive. You have not because you ask not. My granddad would say, Lord, I lack. But then he'd say, I got to have wisdom for this and this and this. And he would ask. When's the last time after you said, God, I can't, but you can, I lack. But now I'm going to specifically ask. In the book of James, in just a little bit, he's going to say, ask and you shall receive. But it's the word for asking with specificity. God says, I want you to get specific with me. What are you asking for by way of wisdom? It acknowledges that you lack, but then you got to ask. I was a lawyer, and my granddad said, I've got to go to New York City. He said, the FDA, the feds, and everybody want to meet with me. And we're selling a lot of meat out of the country, and we're selling McDonald's, three million hamburger patties a day, and we got to go meet with them. We're in trouble on foreign trade zones and whatnot. And he said, David, these people scare me. He said, they're just super, super educated and super, super powerful. And they scare me. And I lack. And I've asked God for wisdom. And I want you to go with me. Well, we went to New York City. The Twin Towers were still standing then. We went up in the Twin Towers, and I don't know what floor we went up to, but we were above the clouds. I mean, we're looking down on the clouds over the city. And we walked into the most elaborate paneled room I've ever seen. It was huge, a meeting room, all this hand-carved oak. And in came all these people with their lieutenants. There were 30 of them. The 30 government officials, the Secretary of the Treasury, the Secretary of Trade, the Secretary of the Federal Food Administration, they're all there. The Vice President was there. And they all had a group of people with them to counsel them. And here's my granddad and I, sitting with them going around this semicircle. And they started talking and they said, Mr. Gibbs, we want to talk to you. And they said these words, you're a major player and you're getting bigger, and we want to talk to you, and we think you need to know about this, and you need to know about that. And they started giving advice and counsel, and then pretty soon, their counsel conflicted. They said, no, 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 don't listen to him. Here's what you want to do. And then another guy said, no, don't listen to them. Here's what you need to do. And we sat there for an hour and a half listening to them tell us what to do. Finally, the man that chaired the meeting said to my granddad, do you understand all this? My granddad said, I'm so glad you asked. I don't understand any of it, none of it. He said, you men don't understand, I lack. I don't get it. And I don't think you get it. He said, the truth of the matter is, you all don't agree. And when my granddad said that, several of them punched each other. And 
the clerk that was sitting there said, nobody's ever told them they lack except you. And he said, the problem is you lack. You don't know what to do, but you don't want to admit it. He said, I'm a believer in Christ, and I lack. And he said, I didn't build this business. God did. He said, I can't write these paychecks. God makes it happen. But I lack, and I ask. I ask. He said, now, I don't know that it's any good for me to stay here anymore. So he said, I'm going to excuse myself. I'm going to leave my grandson here. And I'll agree to whatever he agrees to. But he turned to me and he said, don't you forget you lack too. And he said, I'm going to go out and on the way home, I'm going to buy some cattle. I'm going to take them home and slaughter them and sell them because if I don't do that, there won't be anything to argue about anyway. And he got up and excused himself. The chairman, the vice president said, I've never seen a man be that candid. I've never seen a man that honest. And he said, the truth is we all lack. We just don't want to admit it. And that man has something with his God. Have you got something with your God? We acknowledge we lack. And we ask. Now let me tell you what the devil's going to do. The devil's going to whisper in your ear, say, yeah, but if you don't fake it, pretend that you got heaven-sent wisdom. You can fake people. Don't you dare. When people come to you and want you to minister to them, which is what you're being trained for and prepared for, when people come to us, they're not coming to us to be faked out. They need lawyers that lack and ask. And that's a key for you. Now turn back to those verses one more minute in James 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men, and underline the next word, liberally. Liberally. You understand, God doesn't want you to have a little bit of this wisdom. He wants you to have more than you could ever comprehend or need. If God just gave you a little bit of wisdom, it wouldn't do any good. You'd still mess everything up. I run into this all the time. I'll ask pastors, youth pastors, deacons, have you got God's wisdom? Well, well I have some, I have some. No, no, no. God never gives some. The promise is liberally. Because if you don't have it liberally, you're going to start substituting your own personal judgment and thoughts, your own personal experience and talents. And God says, no, no, no. I want to give it in measure beyond any need you have that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and then underline the promise, and it shall be given him. If you don't have it, it's because you did not activate this promise. You didn't activate it. But look at the third requirement. Number one, you got to acknowledge your lack. Number two, you got to ask. 
specifically ask. And maybe you don't do it this way. I find it very helpful if I write out my asks because I want to see it and be sure that I've asked with specificity. Next one, but let him ask in faith. There's the third requirement. If you don't believe God's going to keep this promise, nothing's going to happen. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Wow. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now catch this. God says, you don't do it this way, you're getting none of it. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When God gives you wisdom, he doesn't give it to you so you can play with it. God, show me what you think I should do and, and I'll think about it. No, no, no. That's not asking in faith, believing. When God gives you wisdom, he wants you to activate it. He wants you to do it. My granddad called me in one day. I was working for him then. And he said, I got a job. He said, here we are buying thousands of cattle, slaughtering five to 7,000 cattle a week. We're buying a lot of cattle. And he said, uh, we bought this farmer's cattle too cheap. He said, what we did wasn't fair. And I said, let me look at it. And I looked at it, I said, we didn't do anything wrong, Grandpa. We were high bid at the auction. Nobody else bid, we just stole them at auction. That's how it happened. He said, that's not how a Christian does it. I said, what do you mean? He said, you want somebody to buy your cattle too cheap? I said, no. He said, well, I'm commanded by God to treat that farmer like I'd want to be treated. And since I wouldn't want anybody to do it to me, I'm forbidden to do it to him. And he said, I've been asking God for wisdom today, and God brought this up. So what I want you to do is I've put this money in this envelope. It's dead of winter in Ohio, snow's flying. He said, I want you to go give this money to this farmer. And I want you to get there, it's 300 miles away. He said, I want you to get there before they go to bed. I don't want them worried about this. I'm sorry for what we did to them. I said, Grandpa, you don't have to do this. He said, I do have to do it. I asked God for wisdom. And when God gives it, he expects you to do it. Now get driving. I got there, it was very dark, but their lights were still on. On the way there, I opened the envelope. There's $30,000 in cash in that envelope. I said, boy. But let him ask in faith, believe faith. I looked at that envelope and I thought, I wonder if I'd do it. I wonder if you'd do it.
I knocked on their door and they pulled a little curtain back that was on the window and they, she looked out at me and her husband came, they opened the door and I said, my name's Dave Gibbs and my granddad Earl Gibbs says, we treated you wrong. And we're Christians and we don't do that. And God spoke to his heart, we want to make the sale of your cattle right. Here. When that lady opened that envelope, she started sobbing. She cried so hard she got a nosebleed. And she turned to her husband and said, what kind of man does this? That's a great question. What kind of man are you? What kind of man am I? What kind of people are we? When God gives wisdom, are you going to do it? Not me, Brother Gibbs. No, no, no. If I can get the better end of a deal, man, I'm in it for me. Well, you'll fit perfect with the world. But you'll never fit with God. Wisdom is, I lack. Ask in faith believing and it shall be given. Come to find out, I wasn't the only one that my granddad ever sent on that type of a mission. And pretty soon people said, the only fair cattleman in the country is Earl Gibbs. And people would send cattle saying, here's our cattle, just give us what you think is fair. Nobody did that. I mean, he could have stole them. But they knew that he had wisdom and that he lacked. When my granddad died, we arranged to have his viewing uh, starting in an afternoon about 4 o'clock through 7 or 8 and then the funeral the next morning. So many people showed up for the viewing, they had to postpone the funeral for three days. Thousands of farmers came. Thousands of cattle people came. Here we are in Ohio, they came from California and Texas, from Florida, from Colorado, from the Wyomings. And I kept saying, why'd you come? They said, that man had something. That man's faith was something. And we're here to honor that. At the end of the trail for you, when they walk by, what are they going to say? Are they going to be able to say, that lady had heaven-sent wisdom? That man had heaven-sent wisdom. And it changed everything. Everything. That lady I took the money to, she came by. I was standing there. And I know this is hard to imagine now, but back then they all called me Little Gibbs. She came up and hugged my neck and she said, Little Gibbs, 
Be sure you get what he had. Be sure you get it. This world understands. This wisdom is something they know nothing about. Nothing. It's heaven-sent wisdom. I lack. I ask. In faith, believing. A young man whose name was Charlie. was a young black boy. His father was a slave, but his mother was free, which meant he was free. But a slave trader swept him up and stole him and sold him. And the man that bought him was a vicious, vicious man. And Charlie said, I, I'm, I'm free. I, I'm not a slave, I'm free. And the man said, I'll show you how free you are. And he tied him to a whipping block and whipped him so viciously that his ribs showed. And he said, the next time you say you're free, I'll whip you worse. Charlie had been led to the Lord by his grandmother. His grandmother kept saying, make sure you get wisdom, Charlie. After about a year, Charlie said, would it be possible for me to learn to read? Don't you ever take for granted the fact you can read. He said, I want to read the Bible for myself. Well, that slave owner found out, and he said, I think you're just being, quote, uppity. So he whipped him again, only this time he whipped his front, tore his face to pieces. He said, I'll show you who's your master. It's not your God, it's me. The Civil War took place and Charlie was freed. And he made his way to Philadelphia. His body is mangled. When people look at him, they almost recoil. He's been so viciously mutilated. He knows no one. He has nothing. But he said, God, I lack. I have nothing. And his exact words are, I'm very damaged goods, but you promised wisdom. Help me. He talked to a man on the street who turned out to be a pastor, a Methodist pastor, and this pastor said, would you like to sleep in our basement? At least you'll get out of this cold. He said, that'd be great. And he said, is there anybody here who could teach me how to read? I want to read the Bible for myself. And he said, we have women that'll do that, and they did. Charlie was a voracious Bible reader, voracious. And as he grew up, he had wisdom. He said, I lack, but my God doesn't. 
Charles Tindley started a church in Philadelphia. This boy that nobody wanted to look at because of how hard his features had been marred and destroyed. But he always preached about wisdom. His church grew. Fifteen years after he started it, they had 5,000 people every Sunday. A mixed congregation, they wanted to hear this boy that had suffered so unspeakable stand up and talk about his faith and what God could do for them. The Philadelphia Inquirer came to him and said, how did God let all this happen to you? He said, I don't know, but he said, I wrote a song. It's called, We'll Understand It Better. What's the next word? By and by. He said, God doesn't have to explain it. He said, by God's grace, I have his wisdom. I don't need an explanation. I lack, I ask, and in faith I'm going to obey. Only let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now the devil's going to whisper in your ear, boy, that's right, that's the Bible, it's right there. He doesn't care that you know this as long as you don't do it. As long as he can keep you from acknowledging you lack. As long as he can keep you from asking. Or asking in faith, believing, nothing wavering. He doesn't care what you know. Hell's going to be full of people who knew how to be saved, but they wouldn't ask. My plea with you is don't know it, do it. If there was ever an hour in America, God's people have to have heaven-sent wisdom. A few years ago, I was preaching at a church, and a lady walked up elderly lady and she said you probably don't recognize me I said you got to forgive me I don't she said you handed me the envelope with the money in it your granddad changed our lives our whole family got saved off of that our whole community got saved and what your granddad did with that the man who wasn't eloquent as best we could tell, over 18,000 people got saved. Started with here. God said, we're to be this. I lack, ask, in faith believing. If you venture in life without heaven sent wisdom, it's your choice. I plead with you, don't do that. Nothing can take its place.